The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So we come to the fifth and last talk on mindfulness of emotions. And I like to think that all our emotions should be respected and that one of the great places to do that is in meditation where we don't act on the emotion or act out of them, but we allow them to, their freedom to move through us with mindfulness, with this very special awareness that um, makes room for things, but doesn't pick things up or doesn't react to things or doesn't get caught up in the story side of emotions. The story, the predictions, the interpretations, the meaning-making, the conversations that kind of keep the pot stirred up, keep the motion of emotion, keep going and flowing. Apparently, and maybe I said this, that in the original French word that from which emotion comes from, apparently means to stir up. And um, in Buddhism, we talk about uh, Buddha, Buddha talked about whirlpools, and uh, the whirlpools of life are the, the suffering, but the current of the river that flows freely and doesn't get swept up in a in a whirlpool, that's where freedom is, the current and the flow. So the, the fourth foundation, so what I'm saying this week is that there are four different perspectives or frames of references with which we can look at emotions. And the very act of choosing to use these four different perspectives to look at what we call an emotion, whatever that is, is a movement of freedom, is a movement of stepping away and not being enmeshed or caught in the emotion and stepping away, take a look at it. Oh, what is this? What is this experience? It's a kind of freedom there to, to, what is this? As opposed to kind of, wallowing it or caught in it or indulging in it or whatever it might be. And so each of these uh, four perspectives. And the last one is um, uh, the foundation of Dhamma, Dharmas. And um, exactly what that means has been one of the great challenges of studying this uh, four foundations of mindfulness because Dhammas mean so many different things. But if we look at what the Buddha actually teaches in these four, in the fourth foundation, uh, there's a few things that are relevant in terms of looking at emotions. One is that uh, just as in the second, third, and third foundation, there's a kind of division between looking at the things that are suffering or surface-like uh, and those which have to do with freedom or the depth of our being, the inner life, Uh, So that division also exists in the fourth foundation. On one hand, it's looking at the ways in which we get caught, ways in which we cling or crave, the very sources of uh, the movements of the mind that uh, bring suffering and persistent suffering. And then also beginning looking at the movements of the mind or the inner life that lead to freedom. And... uh, both in terms of the states of mind that come up, qualities, inner qualities, wholesome qualities, and the insights that, uh, that bring freedom. And so, in a very simple way, 
it's to when we look at emotions to notice <coughs> uh, if there is some closing down, contraction, clinging, um, a, a dimming of the inner light that goes on when we get caught up or these emotions are strong. And, um, and in particular, where is that clinging? There can be strong ang- anger which is flowing through us and the clinging might be our identification with it, our, our believing it, our, our resistance to it, our horror at having it, our shame, whatever it might be, that's where the clinging is. Um, but if we look really deep into the anger, we probably find that deep inside, anger only arises because somewhere in there, uh, there is something we were clinging to, clinging to our preferences, so we were frustrated, clinging to our desires and not having them fulfilled, clinging to not having some experiences or all kinds of things. So to look, where's the clinging, where's the craving in relationship to the emotions that we have? And... um, so the Buddha talks about the five hindrances as examples of this kind that involves something that's contraction, some clinging that um, hinders or obscures, uh, closes down wisdom and opening. And uh, He also talks about uh, something called the fetters, uh, the ways in which we get knotted up. The fetter, literally, the Pali word literally means a knot. So to get where we get knotted up. So there's, um, you know, there's... Um, there's an object like the striker, and there's my seeing of it, and then there's a knot that gets formed between the two, in the sense that if I really crave this knot or think this is an important knot, and that you know my very status as a Dharma teacher is dependent on having a really nice striker and a really clinging to it and preoccupied with it, there's all these mental knots and preoccupations that go on. In a sense, it kind of metaphorically. Uh, that exists between my seeing of it and the st- and the striker itself, and um, and to loosen and let go of those knots between that, and let there be space and openness. There's just a striker, and there's a seeing of it, and I'm not kind of messing with it and complicating it with all my craving and clinging. So he talks about this, and you know we get knotted up, and um, as a way of getting caught. As we get unknotted, there are these uh, unclinging and open up more widely. And as we get a little bit more in the flow of practice, kind of really trusting the present moment, staying present and not uh, drifting off in our thoughts, the whirlpool of thoughts, then um, uh, the, uh, we can start noticing that there's more going on in our emotional life then um, only things which are difficult or uh, afflictive or challenging or hard, there are start to notice more the good qualities that are there. And this emphasis in Buddhism to also, don't deny what's difficult, don't kind of pretend it's not there or bypass it, but also don't bypass, avoid, deny that there's also beautiful qualities present, available. And for most people, uh, there's much more inner beauty, much more inner goodness that's available than they avail themselves of, that they allow themselves to feel. Sometimes because we're not brave enough to experience it, sometimes we feel we don't deserve it, sometimes we f- it's all kinds of, we're afraid of it, sometimes we're just preoccupied and don't even know it's there. 
as we meditate and look at deep, more deeply at the emotions, we don't want to be only fixated on the challenging ones. We want to also begin looking around and start appreciating that in the mindfulness, in the openness, the open awareness of things, this stepping back and seeing an emotion, even a difficult one, in that opening and seeing, there starts to be little uh, uh, little hints and then eventually strong hints and strong presence of really good qualities. And in the fourth foundation, the Buddha is talking about looking, if, noticing how these, what he calls the seven factors of awakening arise. And um, so these are noticing mindfulness itself, awareness itself as a wholesome quality, noticing investigation, this kind of looking more clearly and precisely what's really going on here is a really good and enlivening quality. It's not meant to be stressful or closing down to, you know, to analyze in some close way, but this kind of, it's more like opening the windows to see more clearly, cleaning the glass maybe. And then um, there's a wholesome kind of energy that can arise, an enlivening kind of feeling of presence and engagement. There can be joy, happiness. There's also as available a feeling of uh, calmness, tranquility, settleness. That's really, really can be really sweet. And there can be samadhi, unification, settleness, harmony, being centered on experience. It feels really good. And finally, in some ways, the very it's hard to believe, but they're really the really most sublime and meaningful, valuable, satisfying experiences is the seventh of the factors, which is equanimity. Not an indifference, not an aloofness, but a kind of very profound sweetness and satisfaction of a mind, a heart, which is spacious and holds things, but is not reactive, maintains its peace. So to have the the ability to begin opening, there's more going on here, and also appreciating that in this emotional life, that there's also this, uh, uh, these good qualities and to uh, support them and support them by making room for them and seeing them more and, and uh, including them. Take the time for them. If we live a busy life, busy running around physically or busy running around mentally, there's no room for these seven factors of awakening to come. And as we recognize them and slow down our life just enough, um, it doesn't have to look slow, but so that we can be present for our experience, then these beautiful qualities can come. And that changes the dynamic, it changes the ecology of our inner emotional life. To have some of these factors of awakening present um, means that when difficult emotions arise, we can have a very different relationship to them than if we get preoccupied and the busy, contracted mind is just kind of caught up in the drama of the moment. Then the last uh, part of this fourth foundation, uh, in, uh, and it's there built into the fourth foundation all along, is to notice, uh, to observe how all these things that are we might call emotions are actually inconstant phenomena. They're actually coming and going. And when we're not fixating them or holding on to them through concepts and ideas and stories, 
there's a, everything is flowing, everything is coming and going, appearing and disappearing, arising and passing. There's this current that's moving along. And to see that deeply, and to see that in relationship to our suffering, to see whatever our profound suffering is, rather than fixing it, we see through it. And we see through it by seeing that it's not solid, it's not fixed, there are gaps, there are spaces, there are, it, it appears in awareness, in re- reflections, in thought, in ideas, and also it disappears very, very fast, moment by moment in a certain sense. It's flickering through, it's a kaleidoscope of, of experiences coming and going to see it arise, see it pass, and see that that, in that, almost like in the gap when things are no longer there for a moment, there's freedom. And to trust this, the flow of things, to trust to, to be quiet enough and still enough or open enough to let this emotional life come and go and flow and change and morph, then we start seeing there's not, they're not the whole picture. There's, um, it's almost like there's gaps and pauses and spaces in our suffering where freedom is where liberation can be, where, where there's ease and peace. So, four different perspectives for looking at our emotional life. There are many perspectives for looking at our emotional life. I'm not offering this as being the, you know, the, the, the right one. But for people doing mindfulness practice, these four foundations of mindfulness are really central to understanding our practice and um, and so it's interesting to take central aspect of mindfulness and apply them to something like emotions, and maybe to um, to find more freedom, more respect, and more benefit from the wonderful emotions, the wisdom of emotional life as well. And uh, maybe the wisdom that emotional life that leads us onward to greater and greater freedom. So. Thank you very much for this. And um, a couple of things, a few things. One is that uh, a few weeks ago, Nikki Mirgafuri substituted for me while I was away. So some of you know her now. Uh, Tomorrow uh, morning, she's going to teach kind of a morning little retreat on resiliency. And um, so that's on IMC's calendar and what's new if you're interested in that and being with her. And, um, and also some time ago, I think Diana Clark did a week here for, for, for you. And uh, she's going to start a year-long program called Entering the Stream. meets once a month for a kind of a day. And it really looks at the wisdom teachings of Buddhism that have to do with the path of liberation. And finally, um, as soon as in a couple of minutes, I'll, I'll step away from here and uh, turn this YouTube off. And then uh, I'm going to open up the Zoom room might already be open. And, uh, and we'll have a community meeting for those of you who'd like to stay and a um, chance to have a little discussion and also if um, maybe do some a breakout group. And then, um, so I look forward to meeting you that way and I hope maybe you'd like to meet each other. And you can find the, the link to it either at the top, near the top of the chat, if you scroll right near the top, like second or third little chat, or I'll, when I have a chance, I'll put it at near the bottom, wherever I can slip it in. It's also an IMC's calendar. 
And it's also in what's new on the homepage of IMC called YouTube Community Meeting. And the password is Metta, M-E-T-T-A, the word for loving kindness. So hopefully I'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you.